My name's Claire Press, and I'm Vogue Australia's Sustainability Editor. You're listening to Wardrobe Crisis, the podcast that unzips fashion's issues. Do you mind if I move the microphone? I just, I need to lounge. <laughs> Devotion, darling. Shut I think as humans, we are major forces to be also reckoned with. And I think creativity always flourishes when there is any type of crisis. That's been the absolute pleasure, is watching talented people who have skills far and beyond mine come together and work collectively. Einstein always said, nature has all the answers. Just look to nature, it has all the answers. Just because I happened to be able to source them easiest, I guess, I was buying original wool jackets from the 1950s. I was buying them at Portobello Market. And a one man's rubbish is another man's gold. For me, it was about age. It was about the attitude of people. And it's about how they're wearing the clothes, why they're wearing the clothes, and capturing a bit of their wisdom and empowering people to look at aging differently. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes to how they impact on the environment to the politics of personal style. We are so hot right now. Thank you everyone who's been in touch to say that you'd support my crowdfunding idea. Definitely some food for thought there and very much appreciated. Now, this week's show was recorded during Milan Fashion Week, where for Spring 19, there was a major focus on sustainability and not just because of the Green Carpet Awards, which were marvellous, by the way. I loved seeing all those fantastic creators and innovators rewarded for their eco endeavours. There were some lovely moments, actually, that night at La Scala, like when four Aussie wool growers were honoured for their stewardship of the land and they all went up to collect their gong wearing Akubra hats. It was great. And I loved seeing the shoemakers in their white coats take the stage to accept their Art of Craftsmanship Award for Salvatore Ferragamo. Anyway, beyond the Green Carpet Awards, there was more pioneering stuff going on. I feel like Milan wholeheartedly deserves the Fashion Week eco-crown. Is there one? (laughs) If there is an eco-crown, then give it to Milan. That is in no small part down to the influence of the wonderful Sara Mino, Deputy Editor-in-Chief of Vogue Italia and the fashion force behind Vogue Talents. Sara is relentless in her support of new generation talent and she is a guiding light for creativity in this industry. I sat down with her in the kitchen of Tiziano Guardini's hectic Milan Fashion Week HQ, with the designer busy in the next room doing fittings for the Green Carpet Awards. And Tiziano actually won last year's Franca Sozzani Best Emerging Designer Award. This year, that award went to Gilberto Calzolari, who upcycled his collection out of old coffee bean sacks, would you believe, and made them look very glamorous indeed. It's named, of course, after the iconic and sorely missed former editor-in-chief of Vogue Italia, who passed away in 2016. Franca Sozzani was Sara's aunt, and you're going to hear a bit about how Sara started in fashion herself and what it was like to work with family. Sara's mother is, of course, Carla Sozzani, the creative genius behind Ten Corso Como, so there's just fashion in their blood. But Sara is a fashion visionary in her own right – 
She figured out way ahead of the pack that sustainable fashion matters and created the event Vogue Next Green Talents specifically for sustainable designers. Sarah rarely attends mainstream fashion shows, preferring to comb all corners of the globe in search of the fresh, the unexpected, the brilliant, the voices of fashion's future. Just don't say she discovers them. No, no, she says, I never see myself as discovering them, only giving them the spotlight at the right moment. But I can't think of anyone who's done more for young designers. So it's fitting that we hear from some of them too. This episode also features interviews with some of Sustainable Fashion's New Guard, who were in Milan in September. They are Tiziano Guardini, Cindy Socomalo, who is based in London and Cape Town, Natalie Balut, who's also in London, and Shai Machetti, who is one half of the Indian label Human. Let me know if you enjoy this one. I think it's kind of fun. And also, I want to do my bit to support young talent. I've got an idea for a similar format in the works for Australia's sustainable designers that we might run in series three. Let me know who you'd like to hear from on that one. And by the way, I'm off on my travels again. By the time you listen to this, I'll be at Remote, the Sustainable and Innovation Fashion Conference in LA. So make sure you check in with me on Instagram and Twitter for all of the news. I'm at Mrs. Press. Next up, I'll be in Perth for my book launch on November the 17th. And then I'm headed to Amsterdam. So excited. Do drop me a line if you'd like to come to the European launch of Rise and Resist How to Change the World at the Fashion for Good Museum. Cannot wait. But now let's hear from Sarah. It's not every day that you get inside access to Vogue Italia. Sarah, when you're looking for talent to scout, you comb the world. Where have you been in the last year or so? I've been to well, Helsinki, I've been to Africa, to Nigeria, Seoul, Shanghai, Japan, Copenhagen, London, uh, everywhere. I'm Is it more interesting to go to those less obvious fashion destinations sure. for you? Sure. No, 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 it's interesting because I mean Paris is like staying in your own home, you know, it's you know where to go and everything. When you go in a new city it's everything is new. In your view, what is the role of Vogue Italia in promoting and supporting emerging talent? Well, it's always been uh, one of their major DNA of the magazine to support the new generation of, of creativity, of talents, that it's focused on fashion, but we, we, we have also photography, illustrators, directors, styling. So this has always been the DNA and that it's going to continue to do so. Vogue Italia was always the, not that you weren't commercial, but the most daring, the mm-hmm. most bold. So at a certain point... With Franca, there was the launch of Who's On Next, which is our contest dedicated to emerging designers that produce in Italy, and that was in 2004, so already... 2005, sorry. And obviously that was one of the first big contests dedicated to the new um, emerging designers, especially for Italy, that was a little bit installed in that period. I remember one day I was in Franca's office, and there was so many... You know, I had all these doing the supplement and said who are all these names was about designers so obviously she had how come we don't know them she always had a view and always supported designer young designers and emerging designers and creatives so I said okay let's do something and I said okay I would love to and I said let's call it book talents and that that's how it started it was you know to give voices and support to all those designers that didn't have the tool or the or the place or the spotlight where to be seen we talked about that before, that we're recording in this place, which is 
it's not a hidden place. We're in the centre of Milan during Fashion Week, but it's not a flashy studio. No. Young designers don't have necessarily those resources at their fingertips no. to be able to reach buyers, to be able to travel, money, all that. No, and, and Tiziano is also a beautiful example of um, designers that believed in sustainability since day one, when still now it's not so easy to be supported and seen. And with the Green Carpet um, Award that has been announced last year with his first edition, he won the, the Franca Sozzani Award. And that really kind of changed his life because the support that EcoAge and and camera gave them, it's incredible. And he's a very talented guy and, and also very, people love him because he's very genuine. He really believes in what he wants. I'm not saying that other designers do not, but also that part aspect people wants to see when they- That there's integrity yeah, to Yeah, the integrity and the belief and really the hard working. So even now this season, he showed in Milan for the first time, thanks to the support of Mercedes. So even, when these big groups, you know, support and, and want to help these designers, it's a big help for them because he's alone by himself and he's trying to construct his label. Tiziano Giardini, he was involved in February 2018 with the UK's Next Green Talents. Can you tell me a little bit about that project? Well, we've been working with UK since a long time and it was born in 2011, this collaboration, and it was to support, obviously, new generation designers. We gave them the chance to be to be sold on Ukes and then supported designers which I selected came through like from from JW Anderson to Simon Rocha to Sarah Battaglia they were supported it was not a program it was more of a of an event where designers were included to be supported and seen by the but it's industry. interesting that they take the green angle I mean well, pushing that, that was yeah. that was something I pushed last year so I said why don't we do the same format but we just change it and make it all green so we decided to call the next green talents. It's actually amazing. Like nobody does that to make it all green. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing. No, no, we did it all green by from all the elements, from the invitation to the to the bag to the also to the installation and all the materials that we use. Because I mean, you have to be green. You have to be green until the end or recyclable, at least. I selected seven designers from all over the world, and um, he was. Oh, and one was Unravelau. Yeah. Who we saw because we met in Helsinki, Helsinki and Unravelau yeah. is based in Holland, right? She's Laura. based in, yeah, she's based in Holland. Beautiful, upcycled denim. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a few, there were two Argentinians, Nuse Tudion, Chain. Chain? Yeah. Which yeah. was another one that showed at Helsinki. Because yeah, I think that exactly. Evelyn Mora, who has yeah. been on this podcast, had been inspired by the work that you've been doing, yeah. bringing those designer names to the fore no, 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 and giving I, them a platform to show in other ways. Yeah, she's been doing this extremely interesting uh, fashion week all on sustainability, I think, for three years now. So it's really like, in, I, I think it's always a matter of connections and supporting each other. I mean, I always do projects for, obviously, to be seen, but to give examples to others. And if others kind of do it in a different way or try to do something more, it's better because, I mean... Well, that's uh, how it spreads. It spreads and, you know, people believe it. I have to say that in 2009, there were not so many contests. There were not so many platforms. And people were not so focused in new generational designers. So it opened up really... And so I'm happy, you know, that to have kind of started it. And if now, you know, if there are even other successful platforms or that work Awards. more, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's because good. That's important. A couple of years ago, I came to Who Is Our Next and Rosaria Dawson and Abrima Ariwa were there. They're from yeah. Studio 189. 
Yeah, exactly. No, we because for three years we did a big event in Dubai to to support Middle East designers, and for a year we we turned out the Who's On Next, uh, which was Italian Who's On Next Dubai. So we uh, I took twenty five designers in Dubai. Is that into, work, right? Yeah, it is a work. <laughs> Make life easy. Yeah, and Studio One Eighty Nine was one of these designers that then won. And we invited them to Milan. So it's also about this thing of inserting sustainability. I mean, with Ukes, I think it was important to do it 360 degrees, all of it sustainable, because you have to give a message. But even this season for the Vogue Talents event, there were a lot of designers, not all of them sustainable, but a few there are. So it's interesting because before when I scouted and I picked designers, I didn't look at the sustainable part. But now it's it's becoming because maybe I choose a designer and I don't think about it. It's sustainable and he is sustainable. So it means that now the new generation of designers who start their own label are beginning to be sustainable. That's so interesting because I was going to ask you how that comes about in terms of scouting and then selecting some of these names like Kevin Germanier of Germanier or like Natalie Balut, who we've just interviewed, who've got sustainability really deeply embedded in their core. But that isn't actually what you looked for in the first place. No, because, I mean, when I, when I travel and when I scout, like in Paris, I go in showrooms and everything. And these designers, I discover them in different situations. And after, it's not that I went to a sustainable showroom or a well, there sustainable... there aren't any, so you'd be lucky. No, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know even if it's... I mean, it's good that there are, but I think that it's, it's a positive message that there are uh, you can find them also in situations where you think it wouldn't be sustainable but also I liked how you put that that when we're looking at emerging talent and the next generation these ideas are core to how they look at the world so it's almost like they don't need to have the label of sustainable slapped Mm. on them they just want to make things responsibly exactly this is I mean happening in the new generation I mean the new generations are putting attention to sustainability. I mean, I think there... I mean, when I go to speak to schools or in conventions and, you know, the people want to become designers, I said, if myself, I would wake up tomorrow morning and decide to do a collection, I would do it sustainable. I mean, because it's 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 still not easy. There's not such a huge market. But I think you have to think about, you know, the future of, of the world. I mean, it's not that... I mean, even though maybe... In 50 years, we're not anymore here. You have to think about who comes after, you know. Who who is on next? Yeah, exactly. You mentioned that if you were, and I know you were being hypothetical to think of doing a collection, but did you ever think of that sort of path for yourself in fashion? I did at a certain point, but then I have to say that it was, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. I see these designers, I mean, it's kind of responsible, you know, it's, um, and, uh, I don't know, right now it's like as if there's also this message of, you know, doing your your own uh, collection just to give, you know, more uh, visibility to your name or to yourself. There's a lot about, you know, being in the spotlight for different aspects, but also, so, yeah, I, I thought about it because I, I have an idea in the back of my mind. I, I oh, don't do know you? If I, yeah, but just like this, but it's, then I see all these designers, it's really... But you grew up in fashion because your aunt was Franca Sattani mm-hmm. and 
and I guess you were emerged in it. But did you resist it or were you into it when, when no, you were a kid? I have to say I grew up in a fashion family. I always breathed fashion in, in my whole, you know, well, life. Your mother has the most incredible shop in the whole world, Ten Costa Como. Yeah, I mean, but when I decided to work rather than to study, I was 18, I didn't really know what my parents did or anything. So it just really started very casually. People probably don't... People think that maybe it's not possible, but really I said, okay, started to work with my parents that had started open Corso Como, then, you know, working with parents is not always easy. So then I said, really in a naive and very natural way, ah, that aunt works in a magazine, maybe she needs an intern, you know? So that's how I started. And I didn't know anything about fashion. So that's why I was lucky enough to begin in a period which, well, everything was very slow, and you had the time, so I had even the time to, you know, absorb. I loved photography, so that's where I learned all the fashion about. But then I had really the time to find my allocation. I love that idea of the pace and us remembering that actually fashion did not used to be this fast-paced. I want to ask you a little bit about what you're looking for. So you, when you're scouting for new design talent, you did an interview with the New York Times and they asked you about whether you were discovering design talent and you said no I don't like that word I look at it more that I'm highlighting them at a critical moment I like that no exactly no I never say that I discovered anyone I just think it's uh, probably as I said I repeat myself giving them their spotlight at the right moment which it has not always been like that because obviously it's also a responsibility to you know choose designers and give them such a big spotlight because if they're not ready, it's like burning them, you know? It's so, it's a responsibility. So I'm happy to see that designers that have given them the spotlight at the beginning when nobody knew them have become famous. So uh, I'm People happy. People like Simone Rocha? Oh, yes. Simone was, I think she was showing for the first time. I remember when I invited J.W. Anderson in Milan, he was at his second or third collection by even... Sara Battaglia or Giannico. I mean, there, there are lots. Yeah. There, there are many designers. But what are you looking for? Like, what's that thing, that spark? Are you... How can you put it into words? I have to say it has changed because now it's really a lot. I mean, before there were Because now the business so acumen as well. Oh, because there's so, so many, so much competition. Now there's so much. There were not so many designers. So sometimes even myself, I put... I criticize myself and say, okay, do I still have that focus? Because there's so much, so much going on. I mean, it's really a lot. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but we'll find out and share some links in the show notes about the numbers of students that are coming out of top colleges now in specifically fashion design. It's a hell of a lot. Mm. And they can't all get jobs. I mean, no. So, But the people who do cut through, who are the f- stars, if you like, of the future, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for, you know, for that they have really like a vision and an integrity and that they want to show something, that they really believe in what they're doing, that they're doing it because um, obviously everyone says that they believe in what they do it, but there has to be really like a really strong passion and, and also a message. And um, I don't really like the word, but it's the quickest way of saying it, of the storytelling so I think there has to be really something that people can talk about it. Apart, obviously, being the trend at the moment, which that's another thing. But And the beauty. Yeah, and the beauty and also the or naiveness or even the, the way of being very 
very natural not being kind of uh, influenced by the outside yeah. world so they have really a belief and maybe sometimes you think how can it be possible but like there was one this designer Maria Turri that she won example of this other designer who's on next this year and she was saying but I do my clothes by myself you know I sew, every, I sew everything and then I have my uh, my small you know um, women that help me and I would want to continue like that and, you know in the jury there were big um, buyers and retailers oh, yeah. and said but how I mean this is not this is not what's happening now and I said yes but why can it not be like that? I mean, maybe she doesn't want to become huge. She still has the belief of doing things in a slow way. So I think this is already something. If you were going to give, I'm sure you're constantly asked for advice. If you're going to give advice to an emerging designer, and I know that lots of our listeners are studying fashion, what advice would you give to that person burning with passion to make their label a reality? The first thing would be really to to be yourself always, never to never change, and you know to believe in what you do, and obviously to stick to it, because then there are gonna be so many other variabilities that you have to that you have to deal with. But if you're yourself until the end, you're gonna sure send a message. Human is a fashion label come art collective run by Shaima Shetty and Pranav Mishra, who met studying fashion at NIFT in Bangalore. They make modern streetwear that employs traditional craft and collaborate with artists on photography and other projects. Mishra is also a poet. My dear journalist friend Bandana Tuari calls them the cool kids of Indian fashion. And in 2016, they won the Vogue India Fashion Fund competition. This season, Human was part of the Vogue Talents Who is on next showcase during Milan Fashion Week at the Palazzo Cassani. And their latest collection was inspired by Kashmiri landscapes and life. My name is Shaima. I'm from Human. We're based out of New Delhi in India. We're about six years old. And this is our first time here in uh, the European market. It's so great that Sarah cares so much about new talent in the world, especially from emerging markets. Uh, for us, this is a huge opportunity to be able to be here and be supported by Vogue Italia and uh, to meet all these wonderful people and actually put our work out there. You know, there are a lot of people who are, all the people here are not aware of human right and uh, for us to be out here and introducing the work is so exciting because yeah. even the kind of hand embroidery that we do it's exciting for this market oh, they haven't they haven't seen riveted. work like this whereas in india everyone does great mm. embroidery <laughs> i wanted to meet enough people who i could get feedback from of what they think of the work and uh, just basically share you know we're widening our community by being here which is the best thing ever we show in the India Fashion Week. We do a lot of Indian embroidery, but I don't know if Indianness is something that uh, I think is very inherent. It's like it just comes out naturally in like the way you select fabric and what excites you. It's not something that uh, is a planned process. It's just because we are there and it's like how inspiration just comes to you. It's what we're surrounded by. It's what we're made of and it sort of translates in our work. It's all done by hand. There's such a rich history of craft in India that we really want to explore and show it to the world, especially because human is growing now and there's so much interest in what we're doing. It's so cool that we're able to take this craft and put it out there in a more contemporary sense. Mm -hmm. So give our artists 
maybe ideas that are more relevant to a global audience. Every day you wake up, you have to be uh, happy with what you're doing. And that's the most important thing that you feel like you're being fair. You're an educated person today. You need to care about what you're putting out, your carbon footprint, or like the people that are joining you and trusting you to be able to, you know, share their gift with you. So these are things that we really care about. And um, the artists who are attached to us have been doing it for generations uh, in their families. But the craft has to keep evolving to be relevant. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to provide a platform where we're able to take this traditional Indian craft and still give it a fun edge. We have a team who works full time with us. They've been working with us from the beginning of human. And we just keep adding a few people every season. We went to Kashmir and um, we told stories of the people there. And that sort of blew our minds at like what kind of lives they live. It's uh, very volatile. But also these are the two things that uh, came together in the collection. One was the conflict of living in Kashmir. Second was the beauty and the hope for a better tomorrow. So if you see the collection, there's uh, beautiful landscapes, which is photographs by uh, one of our photographer friends, Azan Shah. So we've translated it into embroidery. It's mostly landscapes of Kashmir. The other side is children's hand drawings, which have crept into our collection from the last two, two three seasons. Human. Human. It's, it's so exciting to be able to see what, you know, how children um, depict the world. And the exciting thing was, like, we also learned so much through the process. Like, for instance, we can't just use children's drawings and translate it because it has to go on pattern cuts. Mm -hmm. So we need to recreate it, right? Now, when we try to recreate it, none of us could do it because our lines are too trained. And then we started drawing it with our left hands. And uh, that was close enough. And it was so fascinating for me to understand that Children actually know exactly what they're drawing. They're just not trained to do it, you know. And that sort of crept into um, the landscape drawings. If you see a little bit of skewed lines and, uh, yeah, I think together, the whole thing comes together as Kashmir and, and what it is totally today. totally human. Flawed totally human. with all its imperfection, making it compelling. Love. I'm glad you think so. Cruelty-free vegan designer Tiziano Guadini is based in Rome and last year won the Green Carpet Award for Best Emerging Designer. He is a soulful innovator who designs to celebrate nature. His Spring 19 collection was titled The Sustainable Kit and it brimmed with bright prints inspired by the tropics. He used sustainable denim and cotton, econal regenerated nylon and even his buttons and labels were made from recycled materials. Every guest at his show received a reusable water bottle as a gift. You're going to love Tiziano. Hi, my name is Tiziano Guardini. I come from Rome and I'm here to show my new collection. I'm a fashion designer that I use to work in a sustainable way in this fashion world. I use recycled material, I use natural material, I use all my material with an eco certification. So for me, it's very important to communicate creativity, but creativity with with a mind with a heart, a creativity that think about uh, our future, about people um, maybe in the other side of the world. 
Tell me about the hummingbirds. Ah, the hummingbirds. I love this animal, this um, this bird. Because, the reason uh, I ask yeah, is because the yeah. bird was all through your Spring Summer 19 collection that you just showed in Milan Fashion Week. Yes, it's this amazing uh, um, bird is um, uh, represent the best actor in this uh, this novel. In, uh, in a certain moment, uh, in this forest, uh, go uh, a lot of fire, and uh, all the animals go crazy. Or, but uh, no one, these birds, these hummingbirds, go on the on the lake and take uh, a water, a piece of water. I don't know, uh, and uh, go back to the this fire, and they left there. Go another one to take another piece drop of, by drop, drop by drop, and uh, a lion seeing uh, the bird tell uh, him, "What are you doing? You are so small." And uh, the hummingbirds stay. That I do my part. I do my best. This is the point. Lovely. <laughs> yes, really love this story. I mean, a fable about. The fact that everybody can make a difference. Yes, everyone can do the, the, the different in this world. And it's important now we have to do the different in every, in every day, in every moment in our life. We are just one human family. We have just one world. And we have to respect the nature. We have to respect uh, all the life with a capital letter. From the beginning, I started to, to do research. The first uh, uh, fabrics was the Ahimsa silk instead of Ahimsa. Ahimsa piece silk. Yeah. Do you remember? In yeah, that you were telling me, yes. right? And I do know about that because that is basically silk that is produced without baking the moth. And yeah. so the moth naturally escapes the cocoon and leaves it intact. Yeah. And then when the moth has flown away, then the silk cocoon is left. And in traditional silk, they actually have to either boil or yeah. bake the cocoons. And yeah. then the little worm dies. But in a hamster, <laughs> it's very peaceful, and then a worm doesn't die. Uh, so it is, it's a very, I really love this, uh, this material, this philosophy. Are you a vegan? Yes, I'm vegan too. I'm, because I think when, I, when you approach in, um, in creativity or uh, job, you have to talk about uh, yourself. So this is how I am. And uh, I express uh, my, myself like Madonna said. <laughs> I express myself. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so you used piece silk, PC. but you are now using, for example, in this collection, a fiber that I had never heard of. That's made from castor oil. Castor oil, yes, it's very amazing. New for me. New, new. It's very new. Uh, instead of uh, cotton as well, this needs less, less, less water. It's very important. Totally biodegradable. Yeah, very, very incredible. Have you touched it? No. Oh, okay. You have to do. What does it feel like? It's like um, um, uh, cotton, but more fresh. Mm. Really? It's amazing. You've also worked with Isco. Isco, yes. Amazing. They do incredible denim that's all sustainable. Yes, it... And I loved the coat that you did, which mm. was last season, which was basically like a fur alternative, mm -mm. nothing to do with fur, <laughs> but the texture. Yes, I really love this uh, this company. It's cotton. It's cotton as well, but it's organic cotton or recycled cotton. We are a cruelty-free brand, so uh, for me it's fun to create uh, an alternative. Uh, I liked how you ran around the catwalk last night. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> with uh, respect on the ranking. Oh, rip. <laughs> she's a, and respect she's a, on your t-shirt? Uh, yes. What because, sort of reactions did you have to the show? Uh, after, I cry. Sindiso Kamalo is known for her wonderful, colourful prints and her deeply considered ethical approach that is big on empowerment. She has worked with the Ethical Fashion Initiative and in 2015 was selected by Sara to take part in Vogue Talents, who is on next in Dubai. There she won the Women's Wear Award. In Milan this time, Sindiso showed as part of the Camera Moda Fashion Hub market. The heritage of inheritance why must it only apply to furniture? It must apply to everything. Make a product that you will last longer. And everyone always talks about, like my mum's generation, they love this, they always go, oh, this generation, nothing lasts, everything's yeah. made to break. And it's so sad because, you know, their generation, things were made to last. They went out, they bought a dress, they knew they'd have that dress for the rest of their lives. We go out, we buy a dress and we're just like, oh, right, I hopefully it'll last a season or two. And um, that's not good enough for me. My name is Cindy Sokomando and I am an ethical, sustainable, textile-based brand and we are based in a combination of Eastland and Hackney and Cape Town, South Africa. I really want to make clothes that can be passed down. I want to make heirlooms that are made well, that are robust, that you can wear a number of different times. You have to keep buying cheap clothes and wearing it once or twice and then it falls apart. Like I want to buy things with good quality materials that you pass to your children. I want like two generations to be wearing these garments. In my sort of print journey, I always like to... Initially, I always like to start off with uh, a book. So I, with this last collection, I started off with this book called The Colour Purple. And I was looking at the protagonist, Miss Seeley, and thinking about what she was wearing at that time. And basically looking at this idea of um, motifs of like, what would a, a woman who's just come out of a generation of slavery, what would the motifs of what she would be wearing come from? And then I started to look at my own African motifs. So I do look at like the plants in South Africa and I look at guinea fowls and just South African animals, not just giraffes or yeah. lions. And so bring that into a context where I like to say that I am an African designer, but also I think it's important to marry your current environment with your heritage. I love to celebrate my African culture within my work, but I also am very aware that there's this... Africa's not a country, you know? And because I work in Burkina Faso, I'm aware of, like, so many differences between all the different parts of Africa. So I also... I get really tired when people say, oh, tell me about your this African textile because it's like you know no one comes tell me about this no European comes, no. textile no one says that tell me about this great big Asian textile no come on so it's like you know like in South Africa every group has its own traditional dress so I can't tell you about an African textile yeah. like it's a country so for me I talk about my heritage which is Zulu and Debele and I bring my Zulu and Debele heritage into my cloth and that's and I do it as in a way that I feel like will celebrate it but also not be too intimidating to the mm -hmm. consumer because sometimes it, it can be you know I've been printing since I'm going to tell my age now 2006 and um, I studied architecture as my first degree but I was always more interested in the materiality of the building than I was the actual 
building. So it was kind of quite a natural progression to move into textiles. I went to St. Martin's and um, I did a lot of textile-based work, which was more printed textiles for a very, very long time until I had this amazing opportunity to be sponsored by the Ethical Fashion Initiative to present my work in Milan and that's when I started getting into weaving. It's been a really important thing to, number one, celebrate the hand. So I've been trying to do a lot of the screen printing in like South Africa. So I was producing the cloths in Cape Town, but I was also producing a lot of the digital prints in in London. If I get an order from Italy, then most likely I will be producing all of those things in London. And if I get an order in Johannesburg, I'll probably be producing those things in Cape Town. There are makers all over the world. And if we are happy to pay a proper maker wage, then most brands should be able to do this. Because I think the reason people run to different places is because they want to get something made cheaply. And also they don't really care what that maker is getting, you know, and how they're being treated. So so that's, for me, it's really important to be close to manufacturing because that's also how you can check. Because you can't say, oh, this factory is doing this, this and this, if you're not there. And so I am in London and I'm also in Cape Town. And I know, like, I know my suppliers. I know them really well. I've been into the factory loads. Folk talents. So three years ago, I was invited by the wonderful Sarah Maino to join in a competition, Who's On Next, Dubai. There's a whole group of us, China, um, South Africa, designers from the UK, America, actually Aurora from Brother Veli's. And we presented our work. It was a really extraordinary opportunity. We were in this main shopping center and presenting our brands and I won. Um, And that then led to me being able to present at Fashion Hub. It's honestly been the most amazing platform and I think these programs are vital for emerging talent because I think a lot more emerging designers are interested in sustainability because I think they're, I think in a way it's more part of their discourse. So I really think For sustainability, these programs are really important, you know. And I'm super grateful, especially to the Italian, like, Camera Moda and to Vogue Talents, because honestly, they've really been quite strong pillars in building my brand. I think this next generation, they just seem to be asking questions. They're always asking questions. And... I think everything is vintage to them, you know what I mean? So they don't care about, oh, we have to have this the traditional way because they're like, why? They don't care, you know, what men are supposed to be wearing or what women are supposed to be wearing. They are constantly asking questions about everything. And I think they're very open. And I feel because they're so open, of course, the sustainability conversation is going to be an open one, you know, because they're asking questions. Yeah, what is going to happen to this planet if we keep drinking water bottles out of plastic? You know, they're asking those questions. So, and I've seen with my brand, definitely, like, my biggest customers do tend to be the younger market. When I talk to them about, like, the hand-woven cloth, they're happy to pay the price that it is because they're like, wow, that's really cool. Like, you mean they actually made the cloth from scratch? You know, they, they definitely love the idea of empowering through their consumerism. So I do feel like there's a lot of hope with sustainability because of the young and because of the future generation. And, you know, you you can see a lot of brands also following that and seeing that, you know, these millennials 
they're interested and they they're going to be the ones to champion it they're demanding it it's like the good fight i feel like got to keep talking keep being transparent i had met a wonderful designer yesterday tiziani and he was so transparent about all of his collaborations and where he gets his fabric from and that's what the sustainability conversation is also about i want to say to all designers out there please share there's enough pie for everyone please share Natalie Balut is one to watch for her unique hand-dyed and embellished upcycled denim. A London College of Fashion grad, she focuses on one-offs and limited editions. Her artful creations belie their origins. You would never guess that they started out as trash. Natalie was also part of the Vogue Talents, who is on next showcase for Spring 19. I'm Natalie Balut. I am 24. I'm Swedish-Lebanese designer based in London. I have worked with denim for many years. Um, I absolutely love it. I think there's so much denim that can be used around the world. It's quite a harsh process making denim, so I think people shouldn't just throw it away. It should be like really taken advantage of and used till till death. Also, sometimes the pollution that comes with the washes that dyes can be quite harmful to the environment. It's kind of become a natural evolution. I used a little bit of denim in my graduate collection, My graduate collection was kind of also finding things and using waste. I didn't use the upcycled word. I was using a lot of wires and kind of like macraméing them and weaving them together to create like worn installations, not really fashion. And then I thought, oh, let me add a couple of bits in that people can relate to a little bit as clothing. And they were denim just because I love denim and I thought there's a lot of old denim. And yeah, and then it just kind of evolved into the, the upcycling from that I source them from like a vintage wholesalers. So I buy them in bulk and I don't specifically pick them. So I'll just like take anything and everything. And I prefer to get the pieces that are graded C and D, which in the grading terms means like unwearable, unusable. There's like holes, crotch and like, you know, rips. A is totally uh, new. B is like worn a few times with no kind of scuffs or anything. And then C and D is like the, the trash. You can make luxury items from what people throw away. It doesn't have to be because the luxury industry would never, I don't think they would consider it as luxury. I try and literally use everything. So from the waistbands to like the buckles and like everything I use. And I actually used the zip the other day because my mom's like, oh, why don't you try to use the zips and stuff like that? for your bags. So I actually unpicked a, a zip because they're YKK, they're like good zips. Um, so yeah, it's really, really important. I'm becoming kind of a hoarder for things just because I feel like they can become something in the future. It's everywhere, sustainability. I think it's 100% a moment and I feel like if the designers are using it for the right reasons, it's actually amazing. What I do is I order these denim in bulk I've got my patterns made and I basically cut up the denim. So you cut up the jeans, like up the seam and lay it flat. So that becomes like my base fabric. I then decide if I'm going to bleach it or dye it or whatever. And then I cut the patterns. And for this collection, I actually cut the patterns, then stitch them together and then embroidered because I wanted to embroider over the seams. This collection uh, was inspired by my heritage. So I'm Swedish, Lebanese, and they're really two very different cultures. But I was thinking about how people, like, you know, before my grandparents' days, uh, didn't used to waste so much. And that's where it came from. 
and thinking about it like how they would just mend things and the things that I've gotten from my aunties and my grandma and stuff like that, that you know I can still wear them like this is my aunties like I wear a lot of hand-me-down clothing because I feel like it's just much better quality and uh, so then I just started looking into their old photographs from both sides and they were so beautiful so I just started to draw them and decided I wasn't going to look while I was drawing them and just kind of like let my hand like freely move very loose and just kind of, I wanted it to almost look like someone just took a pen and drew all over my garments and then I embroidered like beaded sections of these drawings so I keep them limited that's my thing so I'll make like let's say 20 of each so if someone orders that jacket let's say it's a jacket I can make the same jacket 20 times 30 times 40 times 50 times but there will be slight changes that's what I I like because then basically everyone is buying their own piece they all have their own you know thing at the end of the day it's not what everyone else has it is quite difficult to even kind of convince some of maybe the older generations that are so used to fashion being one type of way when it can actually be this other type of way. That's like one of my biggest things. I think like feeling like I have to sell myself, you know, my my smaller brand ethos because I've always wanted to do fashion, but I've wanted to kind of make a difference in the world, not just aesthetically to make people look nice and feel nice, like to actually physically send a message to people and like, you know, set an example, which I don't think people are doing enough of in fashion. It's crazy. It's really important for people to become aware of what is happening. David Attenborough posted um, like a little fact. I'm not sure if it was tweeted or about how if all the bees died, we'd only have four years to live on this planet. So when I hear these facts like about like the Great Barrier Reef being like dead now, it just shocks me. It's getting hard. My parents feel that I'm defeated and you would tell them all that they are wrong because I love you. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. You can get in touch there and I really hope you will. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to my social media. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. You know what they say, first in, best dressed. Subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover wardrobe crisis. So I'd love your help with that because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion, the better. Music is by Montaigne. She recorded this special acoustic version of Because I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for Wardrobe Crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Because I love you, my parents feel that this is a waste of time. I tell them we're okay, I won't admit that I am blind. My friends all feel that I'm carrying a steel. I tell them all that they are wrong. Because I love you, because I love you. Because I love you Because I love you